This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to focus today on our passage from the Gospel of Matthew. We've been reading in all the Gospel of Matthew all this liturgical year. We're coming now toward the end of the liturgical year, and therefore toward the end of the Gospel of Matthew. The clouds are gathering. We're coming close to the Passion. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. And so there's a darkness about these readings. There's a heaviness, a sort of threat and danger about them. In our account today, Jesus has just entered Jerusalem, and he's confronting the elders and the chief priests, the leaders of the people. Now, we know from the gospel tradition that Jesus is often at odds with these people. Somehow those who were the great protectors of Israelite religion have gone off the beam, they've gone off the rail, and Jesus rails against them. So he addresses this rather striking parable of the evil tenants to them. He's addressing here not so much the crowds, but these leaders of the people. So we shouldn't be too surprised if the language gets harsh and sharp and challenging. But see, I want us not simply to think of this as those people long time ago whom Jesus has something against. As is always the case in the Gospels, Jesus is addressing us. He's addressing all of us. So we can't get off the hook of this parable. Remember how it begins? Jesus says, There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Now this is code language. Anyone in the New Testament time hearing this story would remember something from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah spoke of a fertile hillside where there was a lovely vineyard. This vineyard was Israel. So Jesus is hearkening back to this Isaiah image. Here's this beautiful place where the grapes grow. It's meant to be fruitful, productive. Here we've got a wine press, a tower, a hedge, all the things you need for productivity. God gave us a world. Genesis tells us, filled with wonders. Beautiful, ordered, a place of human flourishing. God saw all that he made, and he found it very good. This vineyard, both in Isaiah and in Jesus' parable, stands for Israel, if you want, the chosen people of God. But I think even more broadly, it stands for the world that God made. What does God want? He wants us to flourish in it. I've said it many times. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. God wants us enjoying, using the world, benefiting from it, and bringing forth fruit. We are not the abject servants of God. 
We're not slaves of God, put here to be manipulated for God's purposes. No, we've been put here to flourish and to do great things for God. Now, listen to how this image is specified. Having set up this vineyard, Jesus goes on, then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. Here's the owner now. He's built the place, and he leases it out to tenants and then goes on a journey. Can I suggest to you, Christians, that this is a great image for us? I suggest it for your meditation today. We are tenants in the world that God has made. Who owns the world? God owns the world. For whose purpose is the world? It's for God's purpose. You're servants of God. We're not slaves of God, put here to be manipulated for God's purposes. No, we've been put here to flourish and to do great things for God. Now, listen to how this image is specified. Having set up this vineyard, Jesus goes on, then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. Here's the owner now. He's built the place, and he leases it out to tenants and then goes on a journey. Can I suggest to you, Christians, that this is a great image for us? I suggest it for your meditation today. We are tenants in the world that God has made. Who owns the world? God owns the world. For whose purpose is the world? It's for God's purpose. Your breath, your body, your creativity, your skills the world that you live and move in, the beauties around it. That's what Jesus is telling us here. We don't own it. Now, I know this goes against a lot of our instincts, especially as Americans. You know, we're autonomous. We have a right to our private property. We have a right to our lives. My life, liberty, happiness, don't tread on me. You know, all that language, the language of autonomy, self-possession, self-direction. May I suggest it is at odds with this biblical idea. We don't own anything. God does. You know, I've tried to sum up the spiritual life with that little phrase, your life is not about you. That's a deeply challenging idea, but I think it runs right through the Bible. So what, we're just slaves then? No, we're not slaves. We are tenants. This owner has given the vineyard to tenants to take care of it, to work it. Look now, using their minds and their wills and their creativity and their imagination, he wants all their powers flourishing. But they're working it for the owner's purposes, for the owner's good. So here we are, with these bodies and minds and souls in this world, with all its beauties and wonders. What's our role? (laughs) We're tenants. Yes, to work it well, to produce fruit. What's the fruit we're to produce? Love, peace, justice, compassion. These are the fruits that God wants us to bring forth. Whom do they belong to? They belong to God. For whose purposes are they? They're God's. 
Notice, please, this little detail. He leased it to tenants and then went on a journey. What does this mean, that God now abandons his people? I don't think so. I think it's a very interesting symbol. The owner lets them go about their business. Just as God gives us the gift of freedom. God is not a a puppeteer. We're not his puppets. No, he gives us responsibility, mind, freedom. And he lets us act on our own. That's what the journey here, I think, means. The independence that we do have as tenants. Now, when the vintage time grew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. They've been working this uh, vineyard. And now it's bearing fruit. Whom does the produce belong to? Well, not to them. They don't own it. It belongs to the owner. So the owner sends his representatives to get the produce, to remind them who owns it. What does this mean symbolically? Over the centuries of salvation history, God, the owner of the vineyard of the world, has sent to us his tenants, prophets, seers, visionaries, holy people. This is Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses, Ezekiel, Daniel, the whole array of them. What's their purpose? To remind us who owns the world. To remind us who gets the fruit and the produce of our activities. This is a beautiful way to sum up what salvation history is about. It's simply a reminder of who we are. The trouble is, in our sin, we suffer from a basic illusion or misconception. We own it. It's ours. The prophets come to remind us, no, it belongs to God. Well, what happens? But the tenants seize the servants. One they beat, another they killed, a third they stoned. Boy, there's a great sadness in those lines. Christians, this is the whole of salvation history. That God sends his prophets to his people. Notice, please, he's not sending warriors, not sending heavily armed troops, not armies or police forces. He's sending these slaves, these servants of his, these prophets. What do the tenants do? They don't listen gratefully. <laughs> yes, you're right. We owe all of this to the owner. No, they kill them. They stone them. They beat them. Read the stories of Jeremiah, the stories of Isaiah, the stories of the prophets. It becomes a biblical commonplace that the fate of the prophet is just this. You know, we don't want to be reminded that we don't control our own lives. We'd rather be let alone in our sin. And so we resent it when the prophets come. Has this continued up and down the centuries? Sure. Read the stories of the saints, martyr after martyr. Read the story of contemporary prophets and seers, spokespeople for God. 
how often they are vilified, rejected, set aside by the world. We don't want to be reminded that we are but tenants who owe everything to the Lord. Then this parable, which is already dark, takes an even darker turn. Listen. Finally he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Do you notice first something rather irrational here? This owner has been pretty patient, sending one slave, then another, then more. And each time they are beaten up, killed, stoned. Well, doesn't he get it? After a while, wouldn't you expect, well, he better send an army, send a police force, send someone who can handle these people. But patiently, he sends one after the other. Friends, a basic theme in the Bible is the patience and long-suffering of God. God keeps trying to lure his people back into his covenant. And so the prophets, one after the other. But then, at the end of this long, bloody process, he sends his son. Now, you can almost, you can almost cringe when you hear this. Doesn't he know? Doesn't he know what's going to happen? God so loved the world that he sent his only son that those who believe in him might have life in his name. John 3.16. This is the essence of our Christian faith. Yes, God is so patient and so long-suffering, even so crazy in love with us, that after this long tradition of his prophets being killed, knowing full well what would happen, he nevertheless sends his only son to us. What do we do? They killed him. They dragged him outside the vineyard and they killed him. Jesus was crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem. This is an allegory. It's a metaphor for the crucifixion. They dragged the Son of God outside the city walls and they strung him up and they killed him. Christians, fellow sinners, this is all of us up and down the centuries, all of us to this very day, that when God sends his Son to remind us of who we are and what we owe to God, we too reject him. This is a terrible parable of judgment. We are under the judgment of Christ. Whenever we hear his word, we are reminded of who we are. Tenants, dignified, yes, but owing everything to God. Do we listen? Do we respond? Or do we kill him? That's the challenge. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.